Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Um, what the hell is going on on this podcast that like 80% of the people who come on here go through massive screening, fill out applications. They never actually read my book. Is anyone else puzzled by this? Look, a lot of the questions that you ask me about money are answered directly in I Will Teach You To Be Rich. How do you pay off your student loans? How do you automate your finances? Where do you start investing? And how do you handle big purchases? I wrote this book as a six-week program so you can follow along on your own or with a partner. If you want to improve your finances, I recommend you get the I Will Teach You To Be Rich book. It has over 18,000 reviews on Amazon. Get it at iwt.com slash book. I don't want to just survive, like thrive. Mm -hmm. It puts a lot of strain on our relationship. We don't necessarily talk about money because we always end up fighting. How much do you want to participate in the household running of the budget? I want to be informed, just to know what's going on. Because otherwise I just feel like I just live here. I'm a roommate. What else do you feel? Anger, resentment, a little bit toxic, <laughs> to be honest. How do you handle money if you and your partner both feel stuck? How do you handle it if you and your partner both tend to ignore it? Today, I'd like to introduce you to Martin and Arlie, a couple struggling to figure out how to get out of debt. They've been together for over 10 years. They're not married. And Martin is 53 and Arlie is 46. They have recently started to feel the pressure as they wonder if they'll ever be able to retire. Let me give you a little bit of background on their numbers. They make $125,000, mostly from Martin's work. Arlie runs her own business, but it's only bringing in $3,000 per year. Martin has $40,000 in debt, and Arlie has $7,500 in debt. What's interesting is both of them claim they want to pay this debt off. But when I ask them what their options are, they both seem to have no idea. Now, as you listen today, the answer might seem obvious to you. But in this episode, you're going to see how money goes far beyond the numbers. Now, to start, their debt is causing them a lot of stress, and it's coming out in peculiar ways. I want to begin with an example that happened to them at a grocery store. I'm Ramit Sethi, and this is I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Arlie and I got into a raging fight over a bottle of coffee creamer. Yeah. I said, well, I just can't afford that at the moment. And how did she react? She got very silent. I think it was because I, keeping track of the household budget, was seeing you know the numbers dwindle down to zero on every month. And when the numbers get a little low, 
I, I start to worry, you know, are we going to be able to pay the bills? Are we able to pay the mortgage? Are we going to be able to pay for all the stuff, mm. which is, you know, $4 for a carton of creamer isn't going to make a difference to keeping a roof over our head. I own a business, but it's not making not nearly enough money to like help out. It puts a lot of strain on our relationship. We don't necessarily talk about money because we always end up fighting. So I have no idea what's going on with finances. I don't have access to his accounts. If he ever were to pass away, I would not know passwords. So I think it's just about being at least educated just to know what is going on. I'm a little surprised because she's never mentioned that she wanted to participate in the finance, like always kind of got the impression that she wanted to avoid having to deal with money. This is surprisingly common. Couples will go 30 years without really talking about money. And when they sit down with me, they're shocked to discover that one of their core assumptions about their partner was wrong. Sure, every couple will dance around money. They'll hint about it. Some will fight about it and argue about spending on groceries or vacations, but those are just symptoms. Very few people will have regular, consistent conversations about designing a rich life together. Okay, well, this is interesting. So Martin and Arlie, you've been together for over 10 years and only now in the first few minutes of our conversation... Have you realized there's a misunderstanding about money? Would either of you care to ask the other partner, maybe clarify expectations? Uh, Arlie, how much do you want to participate in the household running of the budget? I want to know, just know what's going on. Because otherwise I just feel like I just live here. I'm a roommate. The numbers are pretty much the same each month. But yeah, I'd be happy to have that conversation. Okay. That was good. How do you both feel about this so far? It's a good first step. Yeah. Is it going to solve all the problems? No. I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? It's, it's, I thought information <laughs> solves it all. I can understand Arlie's need to feel included. When we don't feel heard at work, in our families, even in society, we often act out in very weird ways. People become nitpicky about their partners. They throw tantrums. They do all kinds of odd stuff. So I really appreciate Arlie for speaking up here and asking to be included. But I also want to point out that she asked for information. Did you catch that? As if information is going to solve everything. In America, we have a deep infatuation with the idea of information. We really believe that information alone persuades people, as in give people the information and let them decide. I studied social influence and persuasion at Stanford. I can tell you that information alone is extremely unpersuasive. Americans believed that making CEO pay transparent would reduce it. It actually increased it. We believed that showing calorie counts at restaurants would change the obesity epidemic. Wrong. Information matters, yes, but it's not the magic answer that everyone thinks it is. 
When it comes to your money, lots of you really believe that you just need to sit down and figure it out, which is code for get the information all out on the table. But get real. You could do that in five minutes. The real issue with money is much deeper than information or even math. What matters, sometimes even more than math, is psychology. And Arlie and Martin intuitively understand this because when I jokingly ask them, will information solve everything? They laugh and they say no. That's because they know that information won't solve their problem. And yet that's what they came to me asking for. I think there's something else going on here that's not being said. So let's go deeper. I want to understand what their rich lives really are. I would love to travel, have that freedom. I don't want to just survive, like thrive. Mm -hmm. Being able to do what we want to do rather than what we have to do in order to get by. You can tell a lot about someone by how they describe their rich life. I just heard Arlie and Martin describe theirs, and they sound fairly aligned on the surface. But do you really know what they actually want? Do they? If you rewind, listen to them describe it again. What you'll hear are a lot of generalities, including words like freedom and travel. Those are just words. They don't actually describe exactly what somebody wants. Your use of the word travel is totally different than my use of it. And in Martin and Arlie's case, the way Martin sees travel is probably totally different than how Arlie sees it. I have some suspicions about what's going on, but I want to know more. So I want to start by finding out where their debt actually came from. Uh, it's been in small amounts, courses that have been taken, school clothes for the kids. Honestly, I couldn't tell you a single specific thing that was a large amount. It adds up. When you think about your money, what's one or two words that come to mind for you, Martin? Oh, crushing weight. Yeah. Arlie, same question for you. Love and hate. Mm. Love and hate relationship with it. Tell me. So It's so lovely when you get it and hate that I have to look at every price before I buy. Yeah. Have you done anything to make a change? I started my own registered company, which allows me to pay Arlie and to a lesser extent, the kids money, which I can do so tax-free. So considering the high tax bracket that I'm in results in a significant sort of savings. So the money stays in the family rather than going to the government. You're both very intelligent. And it's clear that the money you make is going to your rent, it's going to your debt. And it's clear that nothing's changing. It's just getting worse. That's kind of why I was excited for the opportunity to talk to you because I'm out of ideas. I don't even have ideas. It's like we've hit a plateau. There were just like zero movement. I have no idea what to do. It's pretty interesting what just happened. They've given up at the first hurdle. And instead of finding a solution, they have essentially decided that they're helpless and they don't know what to do. 
I have to tell you, I'm not very impressed at Martin's idea of starting a registered company so he can pay less taxes. First, that's not really how this works. This is a gimmick. It's not a real solution. Second, pay your fucking taxes. When I ask what else he's tried, Martin's comment reminds me of that famous quote from The Simpsons. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Okay, now the good news is they came to me for help. And that is a big step to ask for help and for both of them to be here together. But there's clearly something blocking them. Notice that whenever they think about themselves and their own situation, they stop trying to find a solution and they essentially give up. I want to get them out of their own situation. I want to get them out of their own heads. So I propose an exercise. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I use Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Okay, let me describe another couple. They're called Max and... Abigail. 
Abigail. Thank you. Max and Abigail. Ah, Max and Abigail are a very nice couple. And they are about 50 years old. And Max earns $125,000. Abigail earns about $3,000. And together they have $90,000 of debt. What should they do? Sounds like they're in the same boat we are. Um, yeah, they're, they're suspiciously <laughs> similar to you. I know it's weird. I represent Max and Abigail. Do you want to ask any questions of this couple? Can they make more income? Yes. Okay. Can they reduce their expenses? They could probably reduce it 10%. So it would seem that you know making more money would be the solution for, I mean, that and winning the lottery. That's always a good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before starting her own business, Arlie used to work in customer service. And when she had that job, her income was much, much higher. And therefore, their joint income was higher. They were more comfortable financially. It seems like there's an obvious solution here on the table, but no one is willing to talk about it. Arlie, you have the chance to now ask a couple in a very similar situation to you certain things. Uh, well, you said to make more income. So uh, does can Abigail go back to work full time? Abigail, that, yes. Would that help? Keep going. With that money, can you reduce the debts? Yes, dramatically. How? The more she puts towards the debt, the faster it will be paid off. How much do you think Abigail can earn if she gets another job? How much uh, can she make per year? About 50. Okay. Just so we're clear, I'm talking about how much you could make. If you yeah, got no. a job. Okay. Yes, it's about, about 50. <laughs> okay. I just got to step out of this simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 okay. No, I got it. Very I'm good. Following, it, I'm following. It was subtle, but. Okay. 50K. Right now, Abigail's making $3,000 a year, but now Abigail can make $50,000 a year. I, I think the block here is that neither of us particularly wants Arlie to return. If we drop the simulation for a moment. Neither of us particularly wants Arlie to return to working in the corporate world. We believe that her business has the potential to, to grow tremendously, whereas working in a, a, at a corporate job, you know, we kind of know what the ceiling is, and that's it. We really need to rethink that, either in terms of her working part-time or you know, full-time return to corporate, or if there's, in fact, a solution where we can make this work on one income until her business does take off. Okay. Well, let's find out. A few questions and we'll know the answer. Arlie, when did you leave your full-time job? Uh, 2019. Okay. A couple of years ago. And what were you making at that job? 56. 56. Very good. And since the time you left, have your finances gotten better or worse? Worse. Mm -hmm. How much do you make from your current company? $300. Per month. <laughs> uh -huh. How much are you going to make next month? Same. Yeah. And uh, Arlie, what kind of business is this? Network marketing. What are you selling? Essential oils. No! No! 
Network marketing, selling essential oils. Oh my God. Is there a bigger scam on earth? Harley, how did you get into this? A Facebook group? No, no. Somebody that I know. Oh God. And what'd they tell you? If you get in, then you can make a bunch of passive income and and then other people will be working for you, that kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And is your friend making all that money? Uh, she is, actually. Uh-huh. What kind of car does she drive? Uh, she drives a Porsche Cayenne. Yeah. It's no good. No good. You're not going to make it with this business. Do you know the percentage of people who succeed with this type of business? Yes, I do. What is it? It's like 1%. Yeah. And how long have you been doing this for? Uh, about three years. I did it part-time before, so... Arlie, you're the 99% of people. It doesn't work. You're the exact person. You've paid, you bought all these things. You've been spending all this time. You used to make $56,000 a year. Your finances have gotten worse you are the 99% of people for whom this doesn't work. What do you think? Talk to me. It's okay. This is tough to hear, I know. Talk to me. I want to hear what's going through your mind. Is it difficult to hear? No. You're shaking your head no. Is it surprising to hear? No. It's not because it's something that I have voiced before to Martin uh, many times, actually. Um, But I had to leave my corporate job because I was just not happy doing that. I was just not happy. And the stress and everything that came with that specific job led me down a path of um, anxiety and depression. So I needed to leave it regardless, regardless. So though I understand that me going back to corporate would help us financially to put my mental health, what's the word I'm looking for? At risk. At risk. It's not very appealing. Yeah. I work in customer service. So, I mean, that's, you know, um, but it's so it's 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 really really tough to come to terms with that. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I don't want you to have to go and compromise your mental health. I'm not telling you you have to go back to the company that you used to work for that caused you to feel this way. First of all, I can't tell you to do anything. This is your life, and the two of you make decisions. What I can do is point out some things you may not have considered. Okay. I totally understand if you have to leave a job because it's not serving you. And you did that. That was pretty courageous. Unfortunately, you took a wrong turn. I hate multi level marketing and I hate network marketing. It's almost always a scam. When 99% of people fail at something, you can generally treat that like a red flag. These business models are structurally corrupt and they intentionally prey on vulnerable people, including minorities and the poor. 
The quintessential example is a stay-at-home mom who joins a Facebook group of other moms pushing some MLM with dubious results. Data has shown very clearly that the vast majority of people in this industry make no money. But the people who join these scams also have to take responsibility. They join because they want to make quick, easy money. Now, I make passive income from multiple sources. I've been doing it for a long time. And I can tell you there are no magical shortcuts where you become a millionaire overnight. It takes work and it should take work. So this entire thing is frustrating to me to hear. It's frustrating that these folks prey on people who are in search of meaning, want to make some money. And it's also frustrating to hear that Arlie herself joined this essentially to make a quick buck. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family. And from you, I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email, U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Back to my conversation with Arlie. If you want to start a business, okay, but start a real business. 
the one that you chose was a bad business. Just look at the last three years. I'll just ask you one question. Is it working for you? Uh, no. Okay, good. We have to be honest. Honest with ourselves, honest with the people around us. It's not working. So you can keep doing it and keep hoping that next month or next month it's going to turn right. Or you can make a change. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Let's just start with a simple question. Do you want to keep going down this route or do you want to make a change? Well, no, obviously we're here because we want to make a change. Great. I'm happy to hear it. Awesome. Now let's talk about what that looks like. I get the sense that you are immediately jumping to the idea that you have to go back to that old company or a company like that. Is that accurate? Yes. Well, in her defense, the last two companies were like that. Uh huh. So you feel what? It's a trend that all companies are like that, that you just want to get out of um, the corporate world? I don't think all the companies are like, are like that, but I think I started on the trend back when I was in university that when customer service was the in thing. So all my summer jobs were customer service or reception. And I, you know, I do like, because I'm trilingual, I do get paid more for doing that kind of work. And as you know, customer service and, you know, it's not always pretty and et cetera, et cetera. So if I don't do, like, that's my expertise. That's where I want to go. That, that's my expertise. And my resume, that's my expertise, customer service. So yes, I would think that I would need to go back to that because that's what I know. Which of the things you said are true and which of the things you just said are assumptions? Assumptions that I have to go back to a company just like it. Correct. And which of the things you said are facts? That my expertise is in customer service? Yeah, that's a fact. That's what's on your resume. You can't change that. That's a fact. But you're totally right that you made an assumption that you would have to go to the same type of companies you used to work for that made you unhappy. Now, now that you are so good at making the negative assumption, I want you to flip that and make a positive assumption. Just for a second, just play with me. Give me a super positive assumption on what might happen if you were to go get another job. That I don't necessarily have that a company will allow me to do more than just customer service because I do have experience. They'll pay me more than the $50,000. Good. Anything else? How would you feel coming home from work? I would feel great coming home from work. Okay. So listen, if we're going to assume things and we're just going to make it up, I'd rather assume positive instead of negative. I'd rather assume the scenario where I find a really cool job that's intellectually stimulating, takes advantage of my skills, and because the market is way up, they're going to pay me more. I mean, if we're going to choose our assumption is just make it up, why not just choose the positive ones? What do you think? I agree. Okay. It's very intoxicating to focus on the negative assumptions. Why do you think that is? I think sometimes that's the default, number one. And I think sometimes that can be your comfort zone. Tell me more. It's just easier to think negatively. 
mm-hmm. easier than uh-huh. to be positive. What do you feel? Think really hard, really close your eyes and think when you get into that negative space, that negative mindset, maybe you're talking to Martin and you're going, I can't go back. Last time I was there, my boss did this. What are you feeling in your body at that moment? Anger. Keep going. Resentment. A little bit toxic, (laughs) to be honest. Toxic. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, I I do feel gross when, Mm -hmm. you know, I allow myself to be super negative. Say if I'm talking to Martin, I feel kind of like, oh my God, I just like vomited all this grossness. um, But that's after, isn't it? I'm talking about during. During, definitely anger. I think that's the anger, definitely resentment. I think those are the two predominant ones for me. Yeah. And where do you feel it in your body? Like in your, in my uh, solar plexus, I guess. I don't Stomach, know. yeah. Stomach area, yeah. Okay. So you're just feeling this anger and resent. It's kind of a hot emotion, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now, can you think about something you talk about where you're happy? What, maybe your kids or you know some nice memory you had. Can you think of something that comes to mind for you? Oh, when I think when we talk about when we used to live in California. Great. Okay, so when, when you talk about that, describe to me what you feel. Peaceful. Mm-hmm. Happy, optimistic. Mm. It's interesting. Those words are all positive versus anger and resentment. So why do you think that that negative space is your comfort zone? Sometimes it's easier to feel shitty so that you, I don't know if I'm going to say it correctly, but like I victimized myself and just think about all the shitty experiences so that I don't have to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, they did this to me. That company mistreated me. I felt angry. I'm never going back to that. It's almost righteous. You're creating the shield around yourself. You're saying, I'll never go back to that. And you feel like angry, resentful, all these hot emotions. And then what happens right after that? feel really shitty. <laughs> you feel like, shitty. And do you make any changes whatsoever? No, you no, that's the thing. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. So based on what we've talked about so far, Arlie, what do you think your potential next steps are? Looking for a job that I can actually like, maybe even love, um, or make good money to help us get out of all the debt and we can actually thrive, start thriving. Mm-hmm. Martin, what do you think? Uh, I agree. It, it, it pains me to ask her to give up the idea of doing her own thing. And I guess I've had such a, a negative interpretation of the corporate world as well, uh, based on my current experience that I I'm loath to ask her to do that again, but yeah, I kind of think that seems to be the obvious solution at the moment. I agree. I think that you two are so blocked from the obvious answer 
right? The obvious answer is one of you is earning income. The other one is not. Both of you should earn an income. Pay off this debt really fast. And so it was very puzzling to me that both of you seem completely unable to come up with this idea. Yeah, and we have talked about it. I can confirm that. And I, like I said, I w- I'm comfortable with the fact that I thought she could make the business work. And also, I didn't want to be—I didn't want to be the mean guy to ask her to sort of break her heart and go back to these mean people who. <laughs> Over the last three jobs between the two of us, we've had a very negative experience. Do you see how you also are making assumptions that if you were to set some expectations in the relationship or to have a candid conversation with your partner, that suddenly you're the bad guy? I don't think so. I think you're drowning over there with 125K and all this debt, and you're sitting there getting super pissed about $4 coffee creamer but you can't bring yourself to do the one thing that will actually make a change. What is that one thing? Communicate. Specifically? Talk about money and make her go back to work. Yes, have a conversation about her going back to work. Not make her, but talk to her. And that communication means, hey, look at the numbers. Like I'm doing a pretty good job here. I would love any advice you have, but the fact is we just don't have enough right now to get out of this debt, much less to thrive, not survive. I need your help as my partner. Let's brainstorm some ways to do it, right? I would never want you to go back to a job that you hate, that makes you sad, but I do need financial help. I need you to be my partner in this. That's communication. And Arlie, your perspective that you've been burned so many times, I'm sorry that happened. I hate that it happened. But ultimately, you've got to turn the page because right now, you will be in debt for a, forever. You guys are 50 years old. This isn't going anywhere. It's, it's time. So how are you going to do it? Well, I think we need to, like you said, we need to change our attitudes towards what jobs are and what we actually want to do uh, to earn that money. And focus on finding both of us jobs that we actually enjoy doing. That'd be good. It's hard for two partners to get excited about jobs if both of you hate your experiences. Boy, wouldn't it be amazing if one of you got an awesome job and then you come back and report home like, this job is awesome. My boss is actually great. I love the work I'm doing. I'm respected, right? All this stuff that we teach in our programs You can find these jobs. By the way, it's the best time in history to find a job. It's incredible right now. They're paying a lot. There's a million opportunities. But none of that changes unless you change your perspective. Number one, do I believe that it's possible to find a good job? Yes, of course. There are millions of people who have awesome jobs. People at my company have awesome jobs and all over the world. Second, Do I think I can do it? Okay, maybe, maybe not. I need to learn some skills of finding the right job and interviewing and negotiating, but I think I could do it. I'm smart. Third, will it change our financial lives? Undoubtedly, to be able to bring in an extra 3,500 bucks a month or $4,000 a month would be amazing. What do you think, Arlie? No, I definitely agree. 
You join a network marketing business selling essential oils. That's never going to work. You fight in the weeds about $4 coffee creamers, but you neglect the two things that are staring you right in the face. One, Arlie, get a job. That's going to transform your finances. And two, build some basic competence around personal finance because you have a considerable amount of debt. You can take control of it. Two things, straightforward, simple, might even say boring. They're the only things that actually work. The real question for the two of you to ask yourself is why haven't you done those on your own? They're so obvious and straightforward. Yeah, it's kind of like I said, when I said that the advantage of doing nothing was it didn't get any worse. But in actual fact, it is getting worse when you're doing nothing. We know the interest is piling up. We know that, you know, that six foot hole, the ground underneath us is actually sinking and we're not staying at six feet. We are going down. But I guess we've just been telling ourselves that, you know, things aren't getting worse for a long time, even though they are. I think you're both finally telling yourselves the truth. Nobody can make the change for you. Nobody. Nobody can find the job for you. Nobody can do your finances for you. Only the two of you can. And the way for both of you to make that happen is to envision what happens if we make no changes. And the answer is quite predictable. You already know the answer. I don't even need to tell you that. What happens if we make a change and it goes really well? I note that both of you, when you talk about making a change, you kind of default to the negative. It's actually quite intoxicating for both of you. I think you get off on it. And we talked a little bit about why. I think there's a lot more beneath the surface of why you both love to discuss what could go wrong instead of what could go right. And I get that, by the way. I, you know, I feel sometimes when I'm talking about something terrible that happened, you know, it can feel kind of energetic. It's like gossip. Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I understand it. I'm smiling right now as I'm saying this to you. I get that. There's a time and a place for that. But when it's causing these real financial and relationship problems, boy, sometimes it might make sense to put that stuff aside and rewrite the context of your relationship. You have a clear sense of what you're going to do next? Yes. Okay. Martin? Yeah, I... I've got to stop worrying about hurting people's feelings and actually engage them in conversations and also find something that I enjoy doing more rather than just, you know, accepting the status quo just because it pays the bills. I really enjoyed talking with Martin and Arlie today. They were here to change. And even when I pointed out some difficult truths, like Arlie needing to quit her network marketing business and likely find a job, they listened. And I know some of it was tough to hear. So I want to thank them for being so open and so courageous to come on the podcast. The central question that I asked them was, why didn't you come up with this solution on your own? Because when you zoom out, the answer seems obvious. They're drowning in debt. Arlie makes less than $5,000 a year. And Martin can't do it alone. Therefore, Arlie needs to get a job. So my question again, 
why didn't they come up with this answer on their own? This is where psychology really matters. Arlie had some legitimately terrible experiences with prior jobs. Martin wants to be supportive. Neither of them have really communicated about the actual state of their finances. So from the outside, it's easy to judge couples like this and say, LOL, how obvious, duh. But here's the uncomfortable truth. If you or I had gone through the same experiences that Martin and Arlie did, it's likely we would be reacting in the same way. One of my goals with this podcast is to show you how money and psychology interact. I want to help you understand your own attitudes and behaviors with money by taking you behind the closed doors of other couples. So thanks again to Martin and Arlie. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And you can find some of my best techniques on my newsletter, which you can sign up for at IWT.com.